Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is The Remnant versus the Rabble. The Remnant versus the Rabble. I'm going to get to the Rabble in just a minute, but let me just talk about the Remnant for a moment. The Remnant, by definition, is a fraction of the whole. And so in Romans chapter 11, verse 5, it says this, that God has called a remnant and they were chosen by grace. That there are people who devote their lives to the Lord. He's not something that they see out of their peripheral. They have devoted their lives to the Lord. And I want to describe the remnant for a moment. You know you are a part of the remnant if his presence is something that you passionately desire. You know you are part of the remnant if holiness, a life of holiness, is how you honor the Lord. You know that you are part of the remnant if your greatest desire is not to be known, but to be useful. You know that you are part of the remnant if you refuse to allow your passion to cool. You know that you are part of the remnant When the prayer that you find yourself praying most often is, God, I just want to be closer to you. These are indications of being part of the remnant. Now, if you're in this room and you're like, okay, I'm feeling really awkward right now because I don't know how many boxes I can check on that list. The most important box that you can check to know if you are part of the remnant is whether or not your desire is percolating in your heart for him. If you have a desire to be close to him, your desire is a reflection of him drawing you to himself. If you start saying to yourself, I make so many mistakes, I'm imperfect, I can't. Bob, I want to tell you this. That we are all a work in progress. But if your desire is there to be close to the Lord, that is an indication that you are part of the remnant. Jesus said this in John chapter 6 verse 44. He says, no man comes to me unless the one who sent me draws them unto me. You are being drawn to him. That is what your desire is a reflection of. If there's something on the inside of you that wants to be closer to the Lord, you want him more involved in your life. That can't happen unless he is drawing you to himself. But let's talk about the rabble. Now the rabble is a polarizing group. You know you are a part of the rabble if you have learned to live without his presence. You know you are part of the rabble if you 
look at holiness like a set of man-made rules. You know you're a part of the rabble if you want to be useful to God after you have accomplished all of your personal goals. You know that you are part of the rabble when you have allowed your passion to cool to the point that now you believe that passion is not for everyone. You know you are part of the rabble when prayer is not a part of your life. But it's very hard to determine who are a part of the rabble and who are part of the remnant because they look alike. They look alike. And they know the same Christianese terms. You have to understand that the rabble are not atheists. The rabble are people who call themselves Christians but are not. They're not. You can tell who is a Christian and who is not a Christian, not by what they say, but by the fruit that comes out of their life. You say, well, who are you to judge? I'm not one to judge, but I can read. I can read. I'm not a judge, but I can read. And it says this in John chapter 1. I'm sorry, 1 John 3.10. It says, we know who are children of God and who are children of the devil. For those who do not practice righteousness and love other believers are not children of God. So it doesn't really matter what you call yourself. It matters the fruit that you produce. We're going to get to heaven and see people that we were not expecting to see. Whoa, you're here. I was not, I did not imagine this. And then we're going to get to heaven and we're going to go, where is Bob? And then you'll find out that Bob knew all the right words, but his heart was far from the Lord. See, the rabble and the remnant are very hard to separate. You can't really tell who's who. But one thing is not like the other. Let me give you a few examples on how one thing is not like the other. Let me show you a a, a picture where... (laughs) Someone here is not like the other. Uh, Let me show you a second picture. I like this one. This this one's kind of funny. is not like the other. Now there's someone on our media team that's going to be getting uh, fired Monday morning uh, for suggesting this, but we're going to go ahead and show it anyway. Uh, Take a a look at this last picture. Um, (laughs) Something here is not like the other. You're trying to blend in, but you're and the biggest difference is those rabbits have more hair, you know. <laughs> Wait a minute, hair, get it? You know, you see how I did that here? Let me, let me give a, a word of encouragement. Let me take a moment to encourage the remnant because about right now, the remnant, many of us are tired. We're tired and we're weary. 
Because we are fighting battles that no one else knows about. Some of you are in a season of rest. Life is good. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> Life is good. Life is good. But for most of the remnant, we are fighting battles that no one else knows about. So let me encourage you with a few scriptures. Number one is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Peter says this, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials that are here to try you as though something strange were happening. See, we are fighting against evil spirits and rulers and authorities. It's not your mother-in-law that's the problem. That took me a while to embrace as well. I'm just kidding. I have a wonderful mother-in-law. She's sitting in here somewhere, so I have to say that. No, I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not your neighbor. It's not that family member. It's not even another nation, another country, another nationality. That's the problem. The problem is revealed to us in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. It says, we do not wrestle against people, flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities in an unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. Against evil spirits in heavenly places. We are in the middle of a battle. And so if you are tired right now, it is only because you have realized that you are fighting a battle. Life is not a picnic. It's warfare. But the good news, the good news, the great news... 1 John 4, 4, the spirit that is within me is stronger than the spirit that is around me. That's a good time to clap. That's a good time to clap. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter says this, stand firm against him, Satan, and be strong in your faith and remember that your family of believers across the world are fighting battles just like you. That we are all fighting a battle that no one else knows about, but I want you to be encouraged and have this game plan that the basics have not changed. The basics for victory have not changed. The basics to enter into God's presence has not changed. In Psalms 91 verse 2, it says this, The Lord is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The, the, the process has not changed on moving from chaos to peace. Because peace is not an emotion, it's a place. The process is still putting your chin up and your eyes on him and saying, I love you and I need you and worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That has not changed. So open up the Bible and say, I'm going to read this until it's not boring. I'm going to read it until it becomes living and active. I'm going to read it until it's no longer a book. It's a door. It has not changed. There is a knowing doing gap. 
between knowing what we must do and doing what we know we've got to do. Some of us have been in church for so many years. I can't tell you something you don't know. You know more than I know. But there's a knowing doing gap. You know in your heart what you need to do. You need to get up in the morning and pray like you have never prayed before. To pray fervently and make hell tremble when you call upon his name. That's what you know you need to do. Are you with me in this room? Estamos conmigo? You with me? Excellent day. speak Spanish, I forget my sermon. (laughs) What was I talking about? You don't even know what I'm talking about. Let me get to the the rabble. If you want to read about the rabble, go to Exodus chapter 12 and Numbers chapter 11. See, the rabble were people who were pretending to be children of God, but were not. I'll tell you the story. Moses came before Pharaoh. And he says, you have made God's people slaves. The children of Israel are not to be slaves. They're God's people. Now let them go. And after a long process... Pharaoh finally let them go. And so one million slaves were then freed and followed Moses out from Egypt into this wilderness area that was eventually going to lead them to the land that God promised them. There was a massive parade of Israelites leaving Egypt. They were celebrating. There were horns. There were trumpets. There were trombones. There there was confetti. There were flags. There were leaves. It was a massive parade. But there were people who were not Israelites that looked at each other and said, this is our opportunity. And they jumped into the parade. It'd be like... All of a sudden, you're watching a marathon, and you're clapping. You're on mile 26, and you see all these people being clapped for as they run through, and you jump in on the last mile and go running in through the finish line. Say, hey, wait, but but you just blend in, and then you walk in, and you get a medal, and you're like, this is awesome. They jumped in and started acting like Israelites and left Egypt. They were not children of God. They were just acting like it to get out. And so they all move into the wilderness and now they start putting up tents to live in until they work their way through the wilderness to get to their final destination. But let me show you a graph of how the rabble works. Um, You got Moses right here. There's a tent. That's where Moses is staying. And around him are over a million people who love God, who are the children of Israel. But the rabble is sitting on the outside of the crowd. And you know who the rabble are because they are always complaining and hating. They're haters. 
It's in the Frankie International version. Rabbles are haters. They hate on the church. They hate on Christianity. They hate on the pastor. They hate, they hate, they hate. They complain, they complain. They say that they're part of the family, but all they do is complain and hate. And so Moses has no idea that the rabble are even there. Because the rabble does not have access to Moses. There's no access. They can't get to him. There's a million people between. But there's some people that are hanging out with Moses and they're hanging out with the rabble at the same time. Sometimes they're with Moses. Sometimes they're with the rabble. So they come back to Moses and they start telling Moses what the rabble is saying. I'm not quite sure what Moses said, but at some point I'm sure he said... Why are you hanging out with these people? All they do is complain and hate. Maybe they would say, well, they said this and then I said that. And they said this and I said that. And I said, look here, boo. (laughs) But all Moses is carrying is, hold on a minute here. We got people in the camp. You're listening to them. Now you're telling me. Now they have access to me through you. That's bad business. Malnegocio. Am I saying that right? Close enough. It's bad business. So here we go. He calls the man and says, look, we have people in the camp that are not with us. But they're bagging on us. They're talking bad about us. Look, we have got to stop this communication. I would say this. There are divine connections. And there are also divine disconnections. There are people that God has sent you to. And there are people that God wants you to get away from. You should put your hands together for that. It was kind of good. There's people where God says, look, you need to get away from them. And in most cases, somebody will say, but who's going to save them? And I would say, not you. Someone else, not you. Because you know if you should be with them, if you are leading them. If you are just their friend and hanging out, you shouldn't be with them. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus ate with sinners. He had dinner with them. But when Jesus ate with sinners, it was with a purpose in mind. Jesus was not sitting down with sinners to try to show them that he could be holy and cool at the same time. He was not trying to show them that, hey, I'm the son of God, but I'm not going to judge you. Oftentimes, Christians say to themselves, I'm going to hang out with them to show them that I'm not a judgmental person, that I can love Jesus and be normal too. And all the while, they have no idea that they're hanging out with the rabble. See, spirits reproduce spirits. If you hang out with people who are critical, you will also become critical. If you hang out with people who love holiness, 
you will love holiness as well. Spirits reproduce spirits. There are some people that you have to back up and say, I love you, but this is not going in a good direction. When Jesus sat down with people who were not Christians, he had a purpose in mind. He didn't look at them as friends that he was going to relax, unwind, and have a good time with. He looked at them like they needed a doctor. In fact, he said this, I have not come to those who are not sick. I have come to those who are. He looked at people who did not have a savior as if it was a 911 crisis situation. That I need to tell you the good news that there is an evil spirit in this world that has come to seek Steal and destroy everything good in your life. But I have come that you may have life more abundantly. That I have come for this. He was very purposeful when he hung out with sinners. Very purposeful. I want to encourage you today. That if you do not have a relationship with the Lord. To hear me loud and clear. That there is a savior in this world that knew you before you were born. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 49 that he called you, verse 1. He called you while you were in your mother's womb and before you were born he spoke your name. And he loves you so much that even beyond your wildest imagination, you cannot conceive how far and how wide, how deep and how high his love is for you. So I'm not really interested in God or church. Someone dragged me here today and told me they'd buy me a free lunch. I would say this, let's look at your other option. How's it working for you? How's it working for you? I plead with you to look at the one who created you. And for the rest of us in this room who already have a relationship with God, let me say this, beware of the rabble. They will cozy up to you. And they will claim to be devoted to God. But when you look at the fruit in their life, you can see clearly that there's a problem there. You can see clearly. And they will say to you, don't judge me. Holiness or man-made rules. And I would tell you this. No. Holiness is our opportunity To say, God, I am completely devoted to you and holiness leads to intimacy and intimacy leads to authority. And when you have authority, you can walk into situations and just say the name of Jesus. And watch everything change. Can I say that once more? 
that holiness leads to intimacy. And intimacy leads to authority. If you are in a situation right now where you need the authority of God to change things because you're so tired of living with that guy. That you need his heart to be removed and replaced with a heart of flesh because you're sick of living with someone with a heart of stone. Or vice versa. It's the wife who can fly around on a broomstick. You need the authority of God. Do you receive that today? Come on. I want to share a really cool verse with you that I hope causes passion to go through your veins because it's what God has called you to do. Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21, he said, just as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. In the very next verse, he looked at the disciples and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The most powerful prayer you can pray is the prayer that sounds like this. Jesus, you are my savior. Breathe on me. I want your Holy Spirit. If you know that you have already received the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you this. There's more. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. The person in this room who has the most Holy Spirit upon them is still like a droplet out of the ocean. There's so much more. There's so much more. And the more you experience, the more you'll want. It's fascinating because the less you pray, the less you want to pray. But the more you experience, the more addicted you become. It's interesting how spirits cause an addiction. The more you entertain the spirit of the world, the more addicted you get to it. And the more you entertain the presence of God, the more you are addicted to him. Isn't it true? But whenever the presence of God begins to flow through you, what ends up happening is you begin to partner with God. See, it is not God's plan for you to trudge through life, have babies, get married, and die. (laughs) It's, It's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is to partner with you while you're here on this earth. That's his plan. To walk with you. Let me make it crystal clear. God's plan for you is to walk with you. And for you to share his love and his power with the people in your life. That's his plan. Put your hands together for that. Come on. That's his plan. To the youngest person here, 
I've got so many scriptures that I don't have time for where God used children because adults were too busy to listen. Don't forsake your youth and don't wait to get older. You could be missing some wonderful opportunities. Let me give you a testimony of something that happened here in this church that reflects the presence and the power of God moving. Take a look at this. I started treatment for stage three colon cancer in July of 2019. And uh, the treatment plan was that I would have chemo and radiation for several months, then uh, a break to heal, a couple of months break to heal, and then they would do the tests, the MRI and CAT scans to see what, how extensive the surgery needed to be. But the surgery was a for sure thing, my oncologist told me. So um, in November, I finished treatment. And in January, the end of January, they, were ske- they had scheduled an MRI and CAT scan. And I went up for prayer for two Sundays prior to that. And uh, the prayer partners just had so much confidence that I was going to have a clear report and not need surgery. And that really gave me a boost in faith. And so uh, when I had the scans done and saw my oncologist, he said I had a complete clinical response and there was absolutely no cancer there. So it made no sense to do surgery. And um, so I'm 20 months from that time right now and get scans every three months and I continue to be clear. So you know, I praise God and I'm so thankful for a church that teaches healing, and believes in healing and knows that God does heal. I want us in a minute, I want us to stand to our feet, not right now, but in a minute and give him a standing ovation for that testimony. We're talking about someone who had stage three cancer who was prayed for by a prayer partner and is completely clean. Now let's stand up and give him a standing ovation. We love you. Come on, give it to him. We love you. Come on. He's great. He's a great God. He's a great God. You're a great God. We love you. We love you. We love you. I'd like our prayer partners to come down if they would all throughout the building. See, you can find a lot of people that believe that God can. But here in this church, you find people that believe that God will. And that makes all the difference in the world. we just raise our hands if we can just for a moment and let's just ask the Lord to move in this room because you didn't come here today because you wanted to hear a guy talk for 25 minutes that's not why you came you came here because you want to experience the presence of God Can this whole row move over, please? Just fill the gap. Just fill the gap. 
Let's just raise our hands. Lift our chin. Imagine his face just for a moment. If you ever are having trouble praying, just take a minute and try to visualize his face. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. So just lift your chin. Let's focus on our Savior's face just for a moment. Holy Spirit, the power, the presence, the breath of God. Thank you for being here. Would you move in this room? Confirm within them that what we are saying is true. someone in this direction over here something going on at your esophagus if there is I want to pray for you I believe the Lord will heal you right away if 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 nobody comes down that means I was talking to myself it was my own thought and I'm, I'm sorry for wasting your time but if somebody comes down that means I heard the Lord and, and you're going to be healed going to be healed. It's right here. Is it you? Come here. Come here. You too? Come here. Anyone else? Just raise your hands right where you're at. The Lord's going to heal you right now. Just go ahead. Come shoulder to shoulder, Pastor Dwayne. Just raise both hands right where you're at. The Lord's going to heal you before I pray for you. I believe that. thoughts. If it's from God, you're going to get healed. If it's not from God, then it was me talking to myself, and I'm sorry I wasted your time. Two thoughts. The first one is uh, something going on with your teeth on the left-hand side of your jaw. I think it's on the bottom. I don't know. Is it pain? decay something the second one is man the doctor thinks that you might have cancer but they're not sure or they're testing it you think you might they think you might they're testing you anyone? 
Am I in the wrong section altogether? They're testing. Is your tooth? Okay. See, they're testing. They're not sure if it is or not. See, I try to stretch my faith sometimes and zero in on the section, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians um, 11, 9, it says that you know in part and you prophesy in part. In other words, you get this like a half glimpse and, and you try to just fill in the blanks around. And so sometimes I'm just, I think it's over here and it ends up being over there. But I try to get as specific as possible because I know that, I'm looking at very intelligent people who are cognitive thinkers. And you're going to think to yourself, if it's not specific with this many people in the room, you're going to be right. But if I get as specific as I can and we have healings over the following weeks, allow that to be in your judgment process. And if you're a little bit critical, don't let the enemy tell you that you're evil or bad. That just means that you're a cognitive person who needs more information. And the Lord will give it to you. There will be a moment where you say, that's a miracle. So just give God a chance. When I hear the Lord speak to me, just like you, I go, is that you, God, or is that me? Is that you or is it me? And the more I take a chance, the more accurate it gets. And when I'm right, and when it's accurate, healings happen. And when I'm, I miss it, I just go, I'm sorry. I thought it was God and it was me. I'm sorry about that. But when they come down like they did just now, <laughs> it's almost as if God called their name. That's why they oftentimes get healed before I pray for them. Just raise your hands right where you are. You guys are at. Just right down here. Just raise your hands. I believe you'll get healed before I pray for you. If you're in this room and you say, look, I need a miracle. I don't care if it's financial, if it's your family. Come down here. Most of the miracles happen from our prayer partners. I have nothing to do with it. I'm not even involved. The only thing I ask, I wish I could stand on a 10-foot ladder and say this. The only thing I ask, if you get healed at Celebration Church, that you tell us about it immediately. If you, listen to this, if you think you're healed, tell us. And you say, what, what do you mean think? If you think, if you think you're healed, tell us. The moment you think you are. The reason why I say that is oftentimes people will say, I think I'm healed, but I'm going to wait to make sure. And they'll wait for like two years. <laughs> Or they'll wait a week or they'll wait two weeks. They'll wait three weeks and they want to test it in every which way you possibly can before they say it because they're afraid that as soon as they tell us, then all of a sudden you're going to have a, 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 what do you call that? Relapse. And so they don't, you don't want to be embarrassed. Let me tell you, that is, that is how the enemy keeps your mouth shut. 
That's how the enemy keeps your mouth shut. He makes you concerned about so many things because the enemy knows the moment you celebrate, there's power in that. So email us, call us something. With our hands raised, Holy Spirit, I just want to just wait just one more second before I close out the service because sometimes I I fear that I'm not giving him the opportunities that he desires. And I don't want to do that. With your hands raised, your attention on your Savior. Let's just stand in his presence for a minute. in this room. I declare in Jesus' name, I declare in the name of Jesus that hearts of stone would be made of hearts of flesh. I pray in the name of Jesus, I just proclaim it, that humility will conquer pride. That being right and making your point will no longer be important to you because reconciliation trumps it all. I pray a spirit of peace in this room. Peace in your marriage. Peace in your children. Peace in your soul. Holy Spirit, touch their body. Cause the hair on their arms, on the on their face to stand up on end. A chill to move on them. Some of them get emotional. Some of them, in the name of Jesus, just move in this room. To lost children out there, we call you come home in the name of Jesus. In a chaotic world, I just speak peace in the name of Jesus. 